Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the gathering of believers. I do love Sunday. I love the coming together. I love that we are gathered. As we gather, we are equipped and we are encouraged. Oh, man, because you know the weeks that we've had. But when we get to see each other and worship you and remind ourselves of your goodness, uh, we're so grateful, so grateful that we have each other and that we have you, God. And so today, as we continue to wade into the sacred rhythms of life that are not just for Sunday, but every day of our lives, I pray that I would impart something that causes us to see worship in a new way, that we would see you and how you are worthy of all of our praise, not just on a Sunday, but every day and every moment of our lives. May our lives be a sacrifice of praise, every single part of us. And may we gain new understanding today on the importance of worshiping you. I just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I I am so grateful for this Sacred Rhythm series because as we live in a city that has a very fast pace and a quick rhythm, it's good for us to understand the rhythms that we are to walk in with our God in the city. And like I said, not just on a Sunday, but in our everyday life. I've got this video of my daughter. It's not going to be very good quality because it was taken on an iPhone a few years ago. But I just, uh, I'm talking about worship this morning. And this was from about five years ago. And I would love to show you this video of her as she worshiped at a sisterhood gathering that we had years ago. that all morning until we start worshiping like that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just loop it. I've got, I think we've got this beautiful picture of her too. Do you have that, that one as well? And so this was when we had first planted the church. So she's maybe just two years old. And I'm pretty sure the video is of me singing. You guys, I have a, a, if you Google it, you can find it. It's pretty hilarious. I'm pregnant with uh, Jesse, my son, and I sing a song on a, (laughs) on a Hillsong Kids album funny. So my kids are like, that's my mom. (laughs) But that's um, her worshiping. And I remember Jessica Gonzalez uh, was leading Liberty Kids at the time and sent me that picture and I nearly died. And I just love watching children worship. I love how children worship. And there's something about watching a child worship that causes us to um, just be in awe and feel joy, right? I mean, even as that video of her played, we just giggled because we're like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And we've got to kind of ask ourselves, why do children naturally worship? Why when music comes on, do children naturally move? Do they naturally have an awe that somehow just is there? It, it, the music comes and they move and they lift their heads. Why are they naturally filled with wonder? Well, the truth is we are actually all wired to worship. If you think about this, we are knit together in our mother's womb by our creator. And before we're told otherwise, there is something in us that knows that there is a God to worship. It's innate in our very being to lift up the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. Um, And I I love how it says, I praise you 
I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. And guess what? Children haven't been told otherwise, like, hey, don't move around like that. Hey, that's too demonstrative. Unless you maybe went to a church where they're like, children, shh, don't move. Sit down. Be quiet. I'm like, don't sit down and be quiet. Move your body. Worship the Lord. Like, that is what we've got to understand. I love what Psalm 8, 1 through 2 says. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set glory in the heavens and through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. There is something that is powerful in worship. And as we see it in children, there's something innocent and pure in worship that defeats the stronghold of the enemy. This is why we actually bring, can I just have a pastoral side note? Why do we have our children in worship with us? Anyone want to shout it out? Everyone's like, I'm not answering. This is, do we have to say anything? We have them in worship with us because of what they bring to the table. We have them in worship with us, so probably we can learn and be reminded how to worship again. Because some of us, we just, we don't lift our head. We don't shout out to God. We don't, like this is the thing. It establishes a stronghold against our enemies. Have you ever noticed how a children operates in wonder? And it's kind of annoying when you're a parent. Why? Wow. What's that? You're like, oh my gosh, everything is so wonderful. Everything is a learning experience. They want to know why, 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 how, 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 wow, wow, wow. This is what is amazing about children. They operate in wonder. But do you know what G.K. Chesterton said? He said, we are perishing. We are perishing for lack of wonder, not for lack of wonders. We are perishing for lack of wonder, not for lack of wonders. Lolly said something powerful today when she talked about, you know, when she just begins to set her gaze upon the Lord, you were talking about a heaviness, a burden. You know, what what was the exact word you used? A stress. What, What takes stress away? Lifting our head, worship and praise. This, I pray that after this message, this will be one of the craziest, most demonstrative communities that we have in worship because we understand the power of praise. We understand the power of our worship and not just here while we are in this room, but in our lives, in every part of our lives and what we do. I think what we've done as the church is we have relegated praise and worship down to a song set or a new album that's dropped. And we're like, I love praise and worship. Like it's this little moment of three songs or four songs in a service or fear she is free, way too many songs. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, is is we've got to, before we dig into what worship does in our lives and why we are actually wired for it. Some of us need to be rewired. We were wired to the ways of this world and we need to be rewired to the way that we are created to worship our God. So what does praise mean? I think we need to break down what praise means. We need to think about this. Praise is is acknowledgement and appreciation of what God has done for us. It is our way of giving thanks to him. God is worthy of actually all of our praise, not the parts we want to give to him, but all of it. He is worthy of all our praise. The Bible tells us time and time again, he is worthy of all of our praise. Not the praise I feel like giving, but the praise that he is due because he is God. Not because I, you know, want to think about things over here. It's like, no, you are worthy of praise. And every time we read about praise in the Bible, it's crazy. 
It's insane. The angels, what do they do? That's all they do in heaven. They surround his throne. Holy, holy, holy. They praise him. The elders bow down. They can't stop worshiping him and giving him praise and honor due his name. When you see this in the Psalms or throughout scripture, it's not just it's angels that are singing, but when humans praise him, it's with singing, it's with dancing, it's with shouting and playing musical instruments. It's joyful. It's energetic. energetic, And we often forget how important praise is because we would prefer to like be inside of ourselves and just like, right? Is, is this not true? Let's be real with ourselves this morning. This is where we can be real at the table. We would rather just like internalize worship instead of give him praise that he is due. We were just at my friend's church. This, my dad came with me, um, Jimmy and Irene, who are um, actually speaking, she is free next year, but they were with us as well a, f- uh, a few weeks ago. Jimmy was at our, our men's retreat. Who was at the men's retreat? And Jimmy was at our men's retreat. And they have got, I mean, this is like, you guys, it is fun. They have got gospel. See, like they do not, everybody is moving, everybody's praising. And I mean, they told me that I forgot I was white and that was probably the best like comp- compliment I could have ever gotten. Um, so, but honestly, my dad, after my dad came with me, and, and he stood there just with tears in his eyes. And when we got home, he goes, or back to our hotel, he goes, Andy, we miss so much. We miss so much in our praise of God. And I was like, I would agree with that. But there is just this praise that went out. This, this go, li- listen to what it says in Psalm 104 through 5. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Enter his gates. When we come into the presence of the Lord, this can be when you wake up in the morning. You're like, I'm not a morning person. Well, turn on a song that makes you enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's good enough reason to praise him right there. His goodness and his love enduring forever. His faithfulness throughout the generations. Do you guys remember the song? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is a day that the Lord has made. You better sing. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Some of you are like, what is she talking about? He has made me glad. He has made me glad. Okay, so I've been saved maybe a little bit longer than some of you. Um, that's okay. <laughs> also, you like my moves, don't you? Um, <laughs> but the truth is, that song, do you want to know something really funny? My first youth pastor's grandma wrote that hymn. He is still rolling in the money, so that's good for him. Um, and and oh, what, about, what about what it says in Isaiah 61.3? What does it say in Isaiah 61.3? It says, put on what? A garment of what? Praise for a spirit of what? What city do we live in? A city of what? So what should we be putting on often? Not just on Sunday. This will not do. If you are just praising God here, kind of, maybe. How do you expect heaviness to lift off your life? How do we expect it to? We're like, I feel so heavy. Life is hard. Of course it is. We live in the world. (laughs) And then we live in a city where it's like, heavy. (laughs) So therefore, we've got to get good at praising our God. Be the crazy person on the subway, worshiping the Lord. Who cares? People, that's not very evangelistic. Well, who cares? Maybe they'll ask you why you're so happy, and then you can tell them about Jesus. Praise the Lord wherever you are. If it is heavy in your household, what should you do? Turn on praise. If you are low, what should you do? 
turn on praise. This is what we are called to because it is not a song list on a Sunday. It is an act in a way that we are wired to do this. And when we do not, we are facing our direction in a downward spiral, looking down low and not looking to the one who is worthy of all of our praise. Okay, I better hurry up. Um, What is worship? What does worship mean? What does worship mean? When we worship, we ascribe worth to something, don't we? I heard Darlene Check say it over and over again, worth-ship. It's what we place worth on. Worship is the condition of being worthy, dignity, glory, distinction, honor, and renown. We worship many things that are not God. Can we be real about that too? Can we be real about the idols that we've set up in our life that we worship more than we will worship God on a Sunday, let alone while we're outside of a Sunday? There's a whole lot of things that we worship in our lives. We can worship money. We can worship status. We can worship teams. We can worship a lot of other things. But the Bible tells us to turn our affection and our worship to God. Worship is an expression of adoration and reverence reserved only for God. It is a stance of humility and surrender. And in this position, a person, we can align our will with God's will and submit ourselves to Jesus' ways. See, this is the thing, is when we do not worship, we are always up in our head, in our own way, thinking about what we should have. But when we surrender and worship, we align ourselves with the holy God. And this is why worship is so important. Exodus 34, 14 says, do not worship any other God. Don't worship any other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And we're like, I don't like that the Lord is jealous. Well, you know what? I think about this. He made us to be with us. Have you ever had a jealous moment where you're like, I thought you were my friend, but they're hanging out with someone else. You're like, I feel a little jealous right now. Well, God feels that way for our presence with him, our connection with him, because he made us to be in relationship with him. And he is worthy of all of our praise and our worship. John 4, 23 through 24 says, but the time is coming. And this is Jesus at the well with a woman who was a Samaritan who thought that the Jews worship over there and we're segregated. And I know that there is racism against us as the Samaritans. So we're over here. This is the whole story of the woman at the well. And she's trying, well, you guys worship over there. And he's like, no, 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 no. No, I don't think you're understanding. A time is coming. Indeed, it's actually here now because I'm Jesus standing here in front of you. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not at a place, but in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking. See, because they used to do pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They used to go to pilgrimage to a place to worship God. But Jesus is saying, this is all about to change because the kingdom of heaven is now available to all of you, wherever you are, not in a place, but wherever you are. The Father is looking to those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, worship goes past here and to here. Worship is a position of the heart and your spirit. I think what's so amazing is our worship of God is not about a place, but the position of our heart. And when God is enthroned in our lives, our spirit resounds with the truth of who he is. We don't need to think about it. It's like, I know that you are God. I know in my heart, I know in my spirit that you are good. So therefore, I worship in spirit and in truth. The truth of who you are, not just the truth about my situation, not the truth about how I feel, but the truth of who you are. So therefore, my spirit will cry out. It will worship you. The position of my heart will lean in to your goodness. It will. And the thing is, is I talk about this often, but But when someone sings in another language, have you ever been in a place where someone sings in another language 
and you may not understand the language, but your spirit understands the language, that is about a place of spirit and truth where you know that God is good even though your mind doesn't understand. And this is our biggest problem in worship, in our praise and our worship. We're all up here. We are not here. Our spirit is not connecting with God. It's just a song list. We're like going, I feel uncomfortable, so I don't really know if I want to worship. Or even in your own house, like, what do, why do I worship? Not because I'm like, this is the right thing to do this morning. It's because I would, I, I would honestly not be here without worship. Without the ability to praise my God, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where I would be. So we want, I, I want to give you a few things this morning. What does praise, uh, what does worship do, and what is it for? What is this for? Well, number one, worship enthrones God in our heart. It actually enthrones God in our heart where we or things may have been enthroned before. Our worship of God displaces our misplaced worship of our man-made idols. When we worship God, everything else gets off the throne of our heart, and we lean into a God that is good. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says this, Be careful then. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That right there is a word and a half. Are we listening this morning, church? Hello. This is the thing. It's like, oh my gosh, the days are evil, but understand what the Lord's will is. I love this too. It's in the Bible. In case we were wondering as New Yorkers, do not get drunk on wine. It's in there. So if you're like, I don't know if the Bible says that, says it right there, um, which leads to debauchery. We need to bring that word back into our everyday vocabulary. What do you guys think? Debauchery, but which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with what? The Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Do you know what I love about that? Some people are like, that's weird. We don't do that anymore because culture has changed. No, what that is is I have a word for you. Let me give you something that is from the heart of God. We, I mean, feel free to sing over each other if you would like to. But sing and make music from your heart. Not from your head, not from your feelings, not from your emotions, not from how your day was. Sing and make music to the Lord from your heart. From your heart. Always giving thanks to God. Always. Not when I feel like it. Again, do you, this, the Bible is very uncomfortable. This is probably why we don't read it. I'm just assuming there are some of us that aren't reading it. This might be when we're reading it. And, uh, and the thing is, I know, I hope you guys, well, actually, you know, I don't apologize for saying these things. The truth is, always giving thanks to God for the Father, uh, God the Father for everything. You guys, do we do that? Or like, Thank you for breath in my lungs today. Thank you that my children actually did what I asked them to. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that people showed up and were here. Thank you, God, that, that Yolette is serving in both of these places. Everyone should go and tell her thank you today for pouring her life out. We're like, I'm not sure if I want to come to church today. She's like, I am here for it. So someone should give her a hug and love her and thank her. And also, we do need more team members to give their lives and surrender it. So go ahead and talk to Danny and Danielle, because guess what? We don't want people serving in kids every single week. We would love to roster on and off so people can be in here. We have hosted. If you love to say hello to people, go ahead. Give your life and invite people and serve. Okay, side note. But this is the thing, it's like, well, I don't know if I can, because, 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 because. We can make so many excuses to not live in the will of God. And not do what he is asking us to do. You know what else? Worship causes us to be God conscious, not self-conscious. Hello? What happened in the garden? 
They went from God conscious to self-conscious. And if we don't worship, we go right back to the garden and life becomes all about us and covering ourselves instead of letting God be our covering. Listen to what it says in Psalm 149. The way we praise and the way we worship God and the way we look to him actually causes us to stop looking at ourselves and look to him. This is why it's important. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's time to sing to God a brand new song. Some of you have been singing the same old song. He's like, give me something new. You need to praise in a new way and believe that I am good. That's why I lose my mind when we're singing, way make a miracle work. It's a new song. And we need to remind ourselves how good our God is. It's time to sing to God a brand new song so that all his holy people will hear how wonderful he is. May Israel be enthused with joy because of him. I love that too. I'm enthused with joy because God is so good. Now may the sons of Zion pour out their joyful praises to the king. Break forth with dancing. Some of you need to get into the aisle. Do you know why I have dancers that she is free? Not because it's great to have dancers because they are worshipers. They are on my worship team. They are not like a separate team. They bring worship to our king. Make music and sing God's praises for the rhythm of the, with the rhythm of the drums. For he enjoys his, this is why I love the drums in worship too. It's just like one of my favorite parts. Ah, for he enjoys his faithful lovers. He adorns the humble with his beauty and he loves to give them victory. That right there, that scripture right there, that will ch- stop you from looking inward to going, Oh my gosh, you're so worthy of praise. Some of you, homework, soul work, heart work, just go read through the Psalms over and over and over again to remind yourself how worthy he is. Because guess what else praise and worship does? It locates the posture of our heart. We can see very quickly where we're at in life by the way we worship, how willing we are to lay our lives down, get uncomfortable, stop thinking about ourselves, get out of our mind and worship in spirit and in truth. Who loves the story of Michael and David? That was a heart-locating story. And if you haven't read the story of Michael and David, I would encourage you to go to 2 Samuel 6 and read the whole thing. But Michael was the, the, the daughter of Saul. Saul, the one who would make David play music to soothe him, and then when the music stopped, would throw spears at him. This is his daughter, okay? So this is the household she was brought up in. And you just got to think that through. But what had happened was the presence of the Lord or the Ark of the Covenant had left David's house. And then Obed-Edom, who had had the Ark at his house, his house started to become blessed because the presence of God was there. Now, the presence and the Spirit of God has broken out because of Jesus Christ. He broke the veil. So we, once again, don't worship God in a place, but in spirit and in truth because his Spirit is available to all. Okay, so understand this. This is a type and a shadow. This is the way that it was, but now we are in the new covenant where we all have received the spirit of God. So what had happened here, Obed-Edom was being blessed and David was like, time out, we need to bring the presence of God back. We need to bring the blessing back to the house. But even that, just seeing that we know what worship and the presence of God does, it bestows blessing. That right there. So there's this whole story where, you guys, I, I don't have time to go into it, but the way that they worshiped, every, was it six steps? Who remembers? Six or eight steps. They would like slaughter a bull, a calf. Was it six? Every six steps, they would slaughter a bull and they would get, they would, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Slaughter and they would sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what is that word? <laughs> They would sacrifice every six steps from Obed-Edom's house to the temple. And we're like, three songs is a bit much on a Sunday. (laughs) Really? 
let's go with David. David's like, I'm going to slaughter. I'm going to praise. I'm going to take some my clothes off. Honestly, he like is wearing his ephod. We're going to get there. Don't worry. He had cl- some clothes on, guys. You're like, what is she saying? But listen to this. As the ark was entering the city, I'm going to read to you some of this. Because we're going to see heart location between Michael and David. The difference between the posture of their heart when it came to worship and praise. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw the king, king David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. And then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake um, of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites because they'd been sacrificing for a long time and they were hungry. Both men and women and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household to bring blessing because of the praise, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out. Do you see this? Not the wife of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, this is pretty harsh. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. This is a wife and husband wife fight that's pretty intense. Who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people of Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more indignified than this. You think that's bad? Watch how I will worship him and praise him. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be, I will be held in honor. Listen to this. And Michael daughter of Saul, had no children till the day of her death. Michael, daughter of Saul, not wife of David. See, I would like to be called wife of David because I would be willing to celebrate and sacrifice and dance. But instead, he goes, you know what? In the Bible, where people hear about you, you're going to be partnered with your father who threw spears during worship. And what I love about this is worship and praise locates the position of our heart. David looked like a fool. He brought honor to God, not himself. And he walked in fruitfulness and blessing. But Michael lived with spite, cynicism, and barrenness because of the position in her heart. Let's just be real with ourselves. Have you ever watched somebody in worship and despised or judged them in their hearts for how they worship? And you're like, well, that's a bit extra. Have you? Guess what? That has just located your heart and how to praise a God. And you do not know what they have been through. You do not know the depths of despair that that person has walked through and why they cannot hold back their praise. Some of you are walking through hell right now and you refuse to praise God because you think you'll look like a fool. But if you want the breakthrough, I tell you, you better praise him because that is where it will come when you look like a fool because he is good. And the truth is, do you know what I love about this? We have bought into Western culture to say, you know, church gatherings are more for women because women are more worshipers. I'm like, I'm sorry, who was the naked guy? Guy, man. Well, I am so tired of calling female worship and praise. That's for the ladies, you know, and church is uncomfortable for guys. I'm like, shut up. No, culture, you don't get to say that. We get to praise our God and move our bodies, male. And and you know what? The men were leading and making the women uncomfortable. So I just say I love when our men worship. Have you heard my husband's story? He's a horrible dancer. He's horrible. And he knows it. And one of the biggest breakthroughs came for him as he was leading worship. 
And he was, he, and the Lord said, dance. He's like, that's funny, God. <laughs> he said, dance. And my husband twirled like a fool on the stage. And the way God broke through in his life, and he doesn't even care anymore. I mean, he does some awkward like movements. While, and he doesn't care because his worship is not for you. Why do we look? I don't like how the worship team worshiped today. I don't like this singer. That one was off key, that whole song. Well, good thing that uh, you're not worshiping the worship team. You're here to praise God because he is worthy. I will become even more undignified than this. And worship has saved my life and pulled me out of the pit of despair and stopped me in my darkest hours from wanting to not be here anymore because I look at my God and he is good. And so when I get into a place where the enemy comes to attack and the enemy comes to torment because wouldn't he love to take all of us out if he can stop our light from shining, but I instead turn on my praise and worship and I close my doors and I make myself a fool before the Lord because he is worthy and he pulls me out of the pit of despair time and time again. But if you are unwilling to push through, if you are unwilling in your secret place, heaviness will remain. We have to choose to put on a garment of praise. I will not wear my heaviness today. I will put on my garment of praise. Worship is a weapon of warfare. This is what we need to understand. Again, worship is so male, it's not even funny. And female, because I love weapons. Um, sorry, I said that in New York. Um, Psalm 8-2. Again, I'll, let me read this again about children. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Worship is a weapon. I love this Beth Moore quote. I quote it often. But our exuberant worship of God, our get up out of the chair. I don't know. Get up out of the chair (laughs) and lift our hands and raise our voices to heaven. Worship of God is an act of audacious defiance against the spirit of this present age, relentlessly and successfully and daily indoctrinating us in a nauseating self-praise. Again, we stop praising ourselves or looking to our wallows or the things that we're going through and we're like, I will praise you even though I don't feel like it. We get up out of the chair and we worship him anyways. Worship demolishes strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a place that has been fortified so as to protect from attack. There are positive strongholds in the Bible and negative strongholds in the Bible. There are strongholds. Um, God is our stronghold. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. When we run to him, Psalm 91, one of my favorites, I quote it all the time. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence that stalks at night and the arrow that flies by day. Where do we find that? Running into his presence. We run into his stronghold, his shelter, his tower. What is a stronghold that the enemy creates? Well, usually strongholds that the enemy builds are created through our thought life. We buy into a thought, into a lie. 
a piece of a wall of a stronghold is built. Until we are in a stronghold that has been built around us by lies that we have partnered with, and the enemy has us hemmed in so that we refuse to go out of our stronghold and worship our God in his stronghold, in his refuge, in his fortress. Second Corinthians tells us this. Second Corinthians 10, 2 through 5. Listen to this. And, and this is Paul The Corinthians were a little bit offended because Paul's pretty harsh, like he's pretty intense in his letters, which is why I love him and I love reading his letters. He's so straightforward, but they're like, yeah, well, I hope, you know, when he comes here, he doesn't treat us like this. But listen to what he says. Well, I beg you that when I come, because I'm coming, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. That's a word for some of us too. Why do we think we live by the standards of this world? We do not. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. These weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. Okay, why am I doing this? I just closed my my, uh, message and I'm opening it back up. Thank you for sticking with me. <laughs> Divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought, which is where strongholds begin, and we make them obedient to the mind of Christ. Worship is a weapon of warfare. Here's what I've learned. When I am in a stronghold that my mind has created by partnering with the lies of the enemy, when I turn on worship, the presence of the enemy doesn't stand a chance to get into the place where I am looking to God. So therefore, my mind, the way I think, begins to change. Max Lucado said, what are these weapons? Prayer, worship, and scripture, the weapons that we wage war with. We don't wage war the same way that the world does. And some of you are trying to wage war and fix your life the way the world does, and it's not working. But this is actually sacred rhythms that we wage war with. They are prayer, worship, and scripture. When we pray, we engage the power of God against the devil. When we worship, we do what Satan did not do. Let's not partner with Satan. During, I'm serious. Oh, someone's mad about that. Are you guys okay back there? Thumbs up. Okay, we're good. (laughs) Satan, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) When we worship, we do not we, we do what Satan did not do. We place God on the throne. When we pick up the sword of scripture, we do what Jesus did in the wilderness. He responded to Satan by proclaiming truth. And since Satan has a severe allergy to truth, he left Jesus alone. Satan will, no, uh, will not linger where God is praised. Satan will not linger where God is praised. Some of you need the breakthrough. Satan's lingering. He's tormenting you. Don't let him linger. Praise the Lord. <laughs> He will not linger where God is praised and prayers are often offered. And because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. He's just trying to write a song right there. Okay, where do I need to go right now? Okay, one more quote from Darlene, and then I just have, I'm going to take a couple extra minutes. Um, Darlene Check says this. Anybody remember Shout to the Lord? Anyone old enough? My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Yes. Okay. So she was like one of the first female worship leaders that kind of came out. That, that was like, now female worship leaders are a big thing. Did we even know this? Like that she was, that, that I remember the label didn't even want her because she was a woman. And then she dropped that song and they're like, we would love to have you. Okay. Um, hmm. Anyways, I have a lot to say about that. Praise is a declaration of victory cry proclaiming faith to stand firm in the place God has given you. Praise is a proclamation that the enemy's intent to plunder you will not rock you. Praise declares that you will not be moved by the enemy's attempt to snatch you 
away. Psalm 18, 34, you've trained me with weapons of warfare worship. Warfare worship. Now I'll descend into the battle with power. Worship is a lifestyle as well. Number three, I'm going to give these to you quickly. Worship is a lifestyle. Now, this is very interesting. I'm going to go from Romans 8 into Romans 12. A lot of times what we do is we read them as chapters, but it's this whole flow. It was a letter that was written. We've broken that down. But this is the doxology at the very end of 11, 33 through 36. Now, I want you to think about this and the fact of because our God is all of these things, he is worthy of praise. So the doxology into the beginning of 12, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? See, we're like, God, I'm going to give to bless me. He's like, well, I mean, he is there. It's biblical. He says that he will do that. But also, even if he doesn't, he's God. Let's just give to him. Whatever. Sorry, side note. Um, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Into the next part, okay? So all of that, he is worthy of praise. Therefore, there's a reason why therefore is in the Bible. Whenever you see a therefore, that is usually not the beginning of the story. Go back and read the whole context. Understand why therefore is there. It's therefore a reason. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of all of those things that I just said, because of all of this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy that saved your souls, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, your whole life, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect and pleasing will. Do we understand that this is saying worship is not just a song set? It's not on church. It's not even when you just need breakthrough and you need to hear a song. It's also the way you live your life unto God. It's a spiritual act of worship. Everything that we do, from walking the dog and looking people in the eyes on the subway to taking a moment and appreciating God's creation to walking through Central Park and the leaves are changing and looking and seeing the beautiful city and where God has placed you to appreciating the breath in your lungs to that job that you have just going, God, I wanna learn how to worship in my job and love people well and sacrifice and lay it all down. Worship is also a stance. Our whole bodies, our posture, our lives can be a sacrifice of praise. Oh, you're wired to worship. You're wired to worship. Doing the laundry. Oh, worship the Lord in that laundromat. Wiping that snotty kid's nose. Worship the Lord. Putting them in timeout. Take a moment and worship the Lord. Oh. Rick Warren says work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God. The team can come. Work becomes worship. Is, is you let back or did you need me to lead? Because I can. I'll just sing. It's better if you do. Um, <laughs> so you guys can begin to come up. Because um, my last point is very short. And we're going to go into to worshiping our God after this. So work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God and perform it with an awareness of his presence. Isn't that interesting? Some of you are, yes, you pr- are praying for a new job. And that's the right thing to do. <laughs> because you need to get out of the job that you're in possibly. But also... The job you're in right now can actually be worship. All you have to do is dedicate it to God. So dedicate your job to God. Like we dedicate our children to the Lord. Dedicate everything you do to the Lord. When I start to complain because I have four children and so much laundry, I thank God that I have four children. And I begin to worship him. 
and I praise him. What is the turnaround praise that you have for the negative thoughts that you have? What's the turnaround? I have Irene Rollins was just talking about her rehab. I'll move over here, babe, so you can get set up. Irene Rollins was talking about how she went through rehab and she had to have turnaround thoughts for all of the negative strongholds that she believed in her life. But we need to have turnaround thoughts and turnaround praises for the negative things that we begin to believe in every area of our life. And so when you get to a place where you don't wanna praise or you don't wanna worship and you are, you're feeling heavy, what is the turnaround right there? Seize it. Take captive every thought. Make it obedient to the mind of Christ. This is our spiritual act of worship that we can do. And the last thing I wanna say to you before we just praise the Lord. I wanna be like you, you want. Um, worship is preparation for eternity. Worship is preparation for eternity. Um, it's so interesting because when you, once again, read your Bibles every day, guys. Get, get in there. Go through the Psalms. Uh, go read Revelation and be like, what does this mean, Lord? Like, I love Revelation. I think it's so awesome. But I, I'm just saying, read it and see how people praise and worship God. Learn from the word. Begin to live the word. And every time we look at the scripture, people are demonstratively worshiping God with everything that they are. It says Charles Spurgeon said, praise is the rehearsal of our eternal song. By grace, we learn to sing. We learn by grace down here to sing an eternal song. And in glory, we continue to sing. Revelation 4, 6 through 11. In the center, this is a vision of the throne of God, okay? That's where we're at. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox and the third had a face like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, the Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. He's so worthy. I do not want to be the person where when Jesus walked in his triumphal entry and the Pharisees were like, shut up the people praising you. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. If they don't praise, the rocks will cry out. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't want the rocks crying out louder than I'm crying out to give a holy God his praise and his worth because he is worthy. A.W. Tozer, let's just get, you know, thanks A.W.s. I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, not in his ideas, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Selah. So let's stand. I'm not asking for performance. I'm not asking anybody to do anything. Here, here's what I'm saying. This is not a message where I'm like, now everybody better just, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Because this is a posture of here. And out of a posture of here leads the rest of our body. Our spirit leads. Let your spirit lead. So we are just gonna worship him for a moment and then I'm gonna pray for us. 
But if you want to spread out, spread out. If you want to stand in the aisle, stand in the aisle. If you don't, don't. (laughs) But worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen.